Love Talk Radio. Going on, 
in the world and things like that. But we can't lose we culture while we are studying for all these other rest of things, whether it's track we and things like that. We have to hold this shit down so we can stay around. You understand? We have to hold this shit down so we can stay around. So I want to start off this show this evening and things like that. Then I want to continue over for crack my teeth all the rest of the week. But if then I do that, tall, tall, all the rest of the children when they're around the world, can't stand tall, tall. And then the one one that now can't stand who we are for true. So we're going to do them all the rest of the week just so the children can understand and things like that. Okay then? Okay then. So just because I know that I have international listeners and I don't want you to lose out on any of the knowledge, the information, or the understanding that we want to give out during this opening broadcast, the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month 2017. I'm switching over to this language. Not that I won't go back to my own, but that I want to keep you focused where you can grasp the information that I want to share with you tonight because it's critical at such a point in time as this. And I want to start off first with a quote that I heard in services here on St. Helena Island yesterday from Pastor Kenneth C. Doe. His sermon was building on things eternal. And for those who might want to go look it up, read Psalm 11. But here it is that he made the statement that we are participants in an era where self-gratification is tearing us from the root up, okay, tearing us from the root up. And so I thought that this was a powerful statement, one that I needed to write down because, you know, more often than not, we talk about being grassroots and we talk about people's roots in terms of where are they from, what is their cultural group, who who their people is, all right? And so for me, y'all have often heard me say, one of us take care of the root for heal the tree. So the critical thing here is that he also said the powers of evil are betting on us to stay away from foundations. So this being the foundational show for this year's Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month, I thought that that statement right there was definitely going to be one that I'm going to blog about. And so I wanted to start off in this vocal blog with it and then also follow up later in the written blog at GullahGeecheeNation.com. So if you don't normally follow us, it's time that you do. Please, this month would be the great time for you to begin to follow us at G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E. And a t i o n dot com, gullahgeechee dot com, and also at gullahgeechee at Twitter. There is no i and geechee if it a we, ain't no i and geechee if it a we. All right, follow us at gullahgeechee on Twitter. Follow us at gullahgeechee on Instagram, and we are gullahgeechee nation on Facebook as well. We're almost at twenty thousand followers on Facebook, and so definitely by the close of this month or the first show in November, I want to be able to announce that we have reached that twenty thousand mark. Given that the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which you can find at gullahgeechee.net, which are the sponsors of this show, is twenty years old, 
So I mentioned that at this point in the show because the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition poured a foundation on Sea Island sand. It was just sand there. We put a solid foundation. Honey, you look for the tabby and things like that. I had to look for off the shelf with DNM because that is the thing we put there because Honey knew he does like an awesome bank. He ain't going away. Tall, tall. So we poured this foundation 20 years ago with no one else, no one else in the world, not just on the Sea Islands, not in South Carolina, not in Georgia, not in North Carolina, not in Florida, nowhere in the world, period, did anyone else have an organization at all representing Gullah Geechee culture? And why do I say that? The other organizations were African-American or black organizations, black whatever it was. Most still are. They flip in and out of whichever arena they go into to get grant money. That's the reality. Their missions were not about Gullah Geechee culture. Now, I've watched several institutions, nonprofits, lately, update their mission statements on their websites and now include wanting to be Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Centers, things like that. In fact, I'm going to be showing a group of architects around this week because of such a thing. But there were no existing organizations in the world that had Gullah Geechee in their names until the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition began 20 years ago. We did a launch at Spiritual Rhythms Gallery owned by the legendary, the world-renowned artist Leroy Campbell, who is a native of Charleston, South Carolina. Okay? Leroy Campbell is out there still doing very positive work to represent our culture, visually but also authentically verbally, so that he can get people to understand the journey he's taken to really recognize his traditions and his people. Now, after that, a year later, we opened up our hunter home on St. Helena Island, South Carolina, in the Gullah Geechee Nation, my home island. We launched it at that time because I started getting so many inquiries about researching Gullah Geechee culture every single day via our listserv. We still have a listserv. We had the first and only listserv in the world totally dedicated to Gullah Geechee history, heritage, and culture. Most of you are well aware, and if you aren't, you can always go to queenquet.com, www.quet.com. If you'd like to find out more info, go to queenquet.com. Most of you know I'm a computer scientist and mathematician by degrees. So my degrees put me into that scientific arena where I could do programming. So when the Internet became a major thing, that's why I still have an AOL email address. Yes, I still do. All right, you can email us to G U L G. Double E C O at AOL dot com. I love it when somebody tells me that's so retro. Yeah, it's retro, but it's recognizable. People around the world realize when they get an email from GoGeeko at AOL dot com, that is definitely the original group that ever set out to fight for the rights of Gullah Geechee people. Human rights, 
land rights in order to keep our culture alive on the sea islands. As we did this and we started doing emails, we did radio broadcasts across the country because at that time radio was still a big deal. You did not have social media. But we had a major amount of black newspapers still in existence and we had black radio still in existence. And there were certain people that had radio talk shows that we could call into. There were a few in the urban centers that we could get to that were television people, that some are not, some are now deceased, and some of these folks are just not on the air anymore. They're now on the Internet, though, showing some of their older footage of interviews they did with people who were involved in movements on behalf of black people. So the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition has led the movement for Gullah Geechee land and human rights for 20 years. We're the premier organization. As we put information out, we started to teach a class called Net Noir on Net Noir about Gullah Geechee culture, the first ever online class about Gullah Geechee cultural heritage and our traditions. Now, over time, because we were on the Internet every day, every day sharing some type of historical facts and details, sharing essays, having threads of discussions, as they were then called, not just comments, right? They were called threads of discussion at that time. We then encountered people such as Elder Carly Town. She had the Carly Town Gullah Geechee People Foundation she started right after the coalition started. She then started the Gullah Geechee People Show. While she had the Gullah Geechee People Show running on cable in Charleston, I had a Gullah television show running on BCAT in Brooklyn, New York. So we had the Northeast and we had the Southeast covered in regard to having the first Gullah Geechee television shows out there to specifically talk about numerous aspects of culture. The late Verda Mae Grosvenor, God bless the dead, used to work for PBS. She also became a journalist for NPR. She was a culinary anthropologist is what she told me to always call her. She had a cooking show and used to watch her cooking show and try to support it where she would actually make different dishes of food and at times she would feature foods that she would say with Gullah Geechee foods for the most part. That's what she focused on. But she did not speak Gullah. She did not necessarily incorporate the history and the things like that that was going on in the interviews and the profiles that were going on on my show and going on on Elder Carly Town's show. Well, as we continue to progress, I'm documenting things as I go all over the country for everything possible. The Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition starts to be aware of more and more activities, small festivals and events that are going on throughout the Sea Islands, and we started up what is now the Conk. We started out called the Root, and we eventually renamed it. And so that when the Conk would blow, if we about we hona one no hona kiyeti the Conk the blow, and that became our monthly e-sign that went out to our national and international members of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition for the past 20 years. With the advent of social media, we've now basically reduced the count to a quarterly 
publication because we have the GullahGeecheeNation.com blog. We also have Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook page. We have the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition's Facebook page. My fans have started Queen Quet is the Chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation page. There's also Gullah Geechee TV and Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio started back in 2009. And Gullah Geechee TV was somewhere around that same time frame. I have to actually go look up the first episode so I can ensure what the actual date was that we truly launched it. So here it is that as technology has advanced and as mechanisms by which to communicate with the community have advanced, we have had the technological ability, thank God, and the technological equipment to advance with it. We've had the equipment because there are individuals around the world who support the work that we do. And so that's why now we evolved from having the very first website ever in the world to promote Gullah Geechee history, heritage, and culture. And that website has evolved into GullahGeecheeNation.com. But at first there was a group of brothers who were not native Gullah Geechees but were part of seeing all of these consistent postings that we were doing that first helped us to sponsor the website and the listserv. And they had a company called Infobrothers.com. And so we truly appreciate them for helping us out in those early years. We appreciate Leroy Campbell for always opening the doors of Spiritual Rhythms Gallery in Brooklyn when we needed a space in which to present what it is that was going on with the community because there were so many Gullah Geechees in urban centers in New York and in other places. But there in particular, there's a major enclave of Gullah Geechees in New York City, which goes to this reversal now of migration, which the late, great Robert Abbott, who was the founder of the Chicago Defender newspaper, who is credited with being the real engine behind or the engine in front of, I might say in this case, as people were largely leaving by train and some some had a few cars, but largely by the train, he was the engine of the Great Migration. If Harriet Tubman was the conductor for the Underground Railroad, I believe we can go on and say Robert Abbott was the engine for the Great Migration. Robert Abbott is a native Gullah Geechee from St. Simons Island, Georgia. And so here it is that he ended up in Chicago himself. And if you want to really get a detailed history of Robert Abbott and the work he did, you can purchase a book called The Defender by Ethan Michaeli. And so it's a very well-written, very detailed book. And so you'll learn a lot of black history by reading the book. You won't just read about Robert Abbott. And if there are any professors listening, I appreciate it because many of you have told me you do use these broadcasts for your classes. Please look at that book as a textbook. You can teach a number of things in terms of the black migration, but black history in general for an entire semester just using that one book, The Defender. So I also recommend it to study groups that truly have an interest in even understanding the dynamics of race in America and how it has never changed, that the lynchings that you are watching happen in various places now are still happening all over the place. Well, 
being from Georgia, this is something Robert Avin and others knew a lot better than me being from Sea Islands of South Carolina. We've never had any kind of lynchings or Ku Klux Klan marches where I'm from. But other places not so far from us are places that became hubs of this. As a result of this type of mass murdering, mass terrorism and assaults on people's minds, their mental capacity, their character, and their very bodies, the attempt to re-enslave people of African descent during the Reconstruction Era, or some might say, well, at the close of the Reconstruction Era, if you want to lock off dates and say, well, you got, went from chattel enslavement, you know, Civil War era, the chattel enslavement, the Civil War era, the Reconstruction Era into the Jim Crow Era, into, you know, segregation, into the Civil Rights Era, and now we're into the Human Rights Era. If you want to use those terms, then let's proceed. But there's an overlap here. This terrorism is part of Jim Crow. Jim Crow could stand there with a noose in his hand very easily because the tactics Jim Crow used was to try intimidate and then to keep black people in subservient roles and to be dependent and not independent. And so many who were in sharecropping areas in the Deep South would try to leave when they could. And Ida B. Wells and others fought to work against this, tried to get anti-lynching laws established, tried to get the violence to cease. As we know, it has not. That is why there's now a movement called Black Lives Matter. That is why there are there is the kneeling that is happening, the take hashtag take a knee movement is now moving forward because lynchings of black people, people of color, are still going on in America. So here it is that Robert Abbott says, well, I'll tell you what, I ain't treating you right down there, leave. Why stay there when you may die there anyway and you have no quality of life if you don't own anything? You don't have anything there. Come to a place where you might be afforded more opportunity and at least they're not hanging us from the lampposts up here. Now, that's not to say there wasn't racism in Chicago. That's not to say that there wasn't racism in any of the urban centers and that there isn't now. It just took a different methodology in those places and spaces. So you hear a lot of urban race riots, and in the South you hear a lot of, oh, there was a lynching. So you have this all over So the U.S. So here it is, that migration that took place right around the era of the Great Depression, the early 1900s, Great Depression era, all of that time frame, people start just leaving and leaving and leaving, going north. Now, because of gentrification, because of people being older and the violence in those urban centers with the overfilled communities and so on there, people are now trying to come southward. Many of the people of African descent are trying to figure out if they are Gullah Geechee or not. And many don't even under or overstand what it means. They just think, well, I heard somebody in my family at some point say Uncle so-and-so was a Geechee 
or they used to call my cousin Geechee, but I never knew what it meant till I heard your broadcast. So I never knew what it meant till I found your page on Facebook. I never knew what it meant till I went to a festival and people were up there to crack a teeth like that, shouldn't think like that, and see something like that. I didn't stand tall, tall. So here it is now that I thought it not robbery to take the time to look at this, what the foundation of this month has to be. This is Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month, and I was very proud to be there once again with my folks at the Moja Art Celebration that I've been a part of for many, many years now, um, a couple of decades it looks like, that I've been going there and participating on one level or another, whether it is presenting in the schools or whether it's presenting a literary workshop or whether it's giving greetings at the Heritage Days of Moja or being part of some of the lectures and discussions that go on on. This has been the celebration in Charleston to bring together what they call the African American and the Caribbean community to celebrate those aspects of Charleston's international history and journey. But what was left out when that was the formation of Moja was that foundationally Charleston is a Gullah Geechee city. It does have these elements of the Caribbean because of the transatlantic slave trade and the international trade routes that went island to island into the Caribbean or the Caribbean and the city of Charleston, the peninsula of Charleston, the historic district we call Charleston. That was once Charlestown. Charlestown was the number one enslavement auction block in all of North America during the transatlantic slave trade. Charleston was where our ancestors saw and set their feet down all over different neighborhoods, different blocks on that peninsula became auction sites for human bodies, black cargo, black gold, after they were brought downriver from and called Sullivan's Island, which was the place where I was installed on July 2, 2000, and became the first head of state, official spokesperson, and queen mother for the Gullah Geechee Nation. Many of you who was following us on social media already, you saw that today we reposted a blog from GullahGeecheeNation.com regarding protocols. Many of you who are Facebook friends realize I posted a blog prior to that that showed some of the things that the royal family of England are required to do. Therefore, they are the protocols of the family. So after that, to make you un- under and overstand protocols that I have and that the Oba Oyatunja has and that other African people have around the world, I reposted that blog because there are rules and regulations to approaching heads of state, queen mothers, chiefs and chieftains and chiefesses. And many times when we don't overstand the thing. We get offended when people try to educate us about the thing, especially in the black community. I noticed that, that people get upset when you try to tell them it's not what you do, it's how you do it. You cannot just run up on folk and think that you are allowed to do it because of this invasive culture that people who believe their manifest destiny had, and that's how they rushed into somebody else's continent, raped, pillaged, stole, kidnapped people, called them cargo, brought them across the water to other places, sold them like items, and then shoved them into places that were not fit, were not fit for any form of life, not just human life. 
animals shouldn't be treated the way in which our ancestors were treated to come across the Atlantic Ocean via the Middle Passage. So the strongest were the ones that ended up at Sullivan's Island. But now, because we've been here since the 1600s, many people have been indoctrinated in a manner that says to them that they can emulate those who are the descendants of our oppressors and enslavers and that you invade people's personal space with cameras, with with trying to take selfies, with just running up any kind of way without any manners without even saying, is it all right, or how are you, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. We walk around in this day's state. So I found myself Saturday explaining to some folks the protocols, that protocols actually exist. They've always existed in the motherland. They still exist now in villages where the traditions of the people are still alive. So here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, we still have great respect for the foundation that allows for manners and allows that there's a time and a place for everything. But it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So even in the time at the time and in the place, there's a way that you should go about things. So when we get away from that, when we get away from our Africanness, when we get away from our African consciousness, when we no longer realize who we are and things like that, because other rest of people don't show you for true, we who hunted up, then you begin to be just like the others. There's this term that exists now called micro offenses. So you become like the other group. You're offended when someone says, wait a minute, listen, and let us explain something to you. So tonight, I want to answer some questions that people run up on me at these events and ask over and over again. I'm going to just deal with a couple of them because I think they are foundational to anyone who wants to celebrate Gullah Geechee culture, who wants to truly support and participate in Gullah Geechee activities. First thing, Gullah Geechee. As you see on the Gullah Geechee Nation's flag, our Facebook fan page, things of that nature, you will see Gullah, and then you see slash Geechee, not hyphen, and not space. When you see space there, it's because the printer didn't get it right, or you see a space there, it's because someone other than the Gullah Geechee Nation is doing that activity, or we have different pages like on social media. You can't keep renaming pages with the same thing, so you have to choose to put the space there instead of the slash. Well, Gullah Geechee with the slash, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition implemented that to show the unity between Gullah Geechee people. Prior to 20 years ago, you'd find people writing a few papers about Gullahs, or you found them writing about Geechees. You found people referring to either or, or saying the Gullah or Geechee people, the Gullah people of South Carolina, the Geechee people of Georgia. Inaccurate. Gullah Geechee people are one set of people, whether they're in the Carolinas, the Georgia, or northeastern Florida, whether they are on the Sea Islands or in the low country region of the Carolinas, the coastal empire of Georgia, or northeastern Florida. If they have migrated away from this area, 
you will find Seminoles, Black Seminoles, Afro Seminoles. Whether you find them in the Bahamas, Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas, they are also Gullah Geechee people. If you Yeti people are cracking tea, call them a Skogel in Mexico. All right? And so if you hear people called Muscogo, those are also Gullah Geechee people. If you hear people who are called American down in Trinidad, those are also Gullah Geechee people. They are connected. The Americans are connected to our folks who I got to give a big shout-out to them because I'm so happy I'm shouting with you because it's over 20 years ago, getting close on 25 soon, that we were up there and I heard the stories for the first time firsthand direct to me about the land situation in Nova Scotia and found the parallels because I was doing a conference there relinking our descendants that left the Carolinas and Georgia and went with the British and eventually ended up in Nova Scotia. Those fighters, some called colonial marines now, were people who were first put on land grants, as you might call them. In Nova Scotia, the land was horrible. They couldn't grow food there. It was rocky and everything. I visited the land there. And then some stayed, so they just recently have gotten an award by the courts that they will get deeds to their land. They've been having family compounds there all these generations, from 1812, and they did not have any deeds. Now they're going to get deeds. Next thing is some of them couldn't tolerate it. They left. There was groups of colonial marines in Bermuda, little tiny island straight off from North Carolina, all right, Bermuda. So now we had groups of Gullah Geechis there. Then someone said, well, you know what? The land ain't good there neither. The ones who want to leave, they can cast some land down here in Trinidad. Okay, I'm simplifying the story, but I just want you to make the connection. So... You had various companies in Trinidad, and the reason they're called companies is that's the military term because you had these various companies settle at different times from the military people. So wherein they were free now because they got freedom granted because they self-emancipated and joined the ranks of the fighting on the British side against the Americans, against the colonists. They then ended up down in Trinidad, living in different areas of Trinidad that often are still called the companies, all right? And now you have the Americans that people are really there just beginning to celebrate, but many of the Americans didn't realize their connection or realize where their name is from, American, right? American. So they didn't realize the connection between American and Gullah Geechee. And it took... Brother Francis Morian studying, he's a botanist and an herbalist there in Trinidad. It took him studying the rice and migrations of rice amongst our people to realize that here it is, we have this interlink as well between Trinidad and Charleston. And then he comes here and we kind of complete this circle. So as we talk about Charleston, and Charleston being the place of my instrument, we need to also talk about Charleston being the place of where over 40% of all Africans enslaved in North America came through. And interestingly enough, just because we're speaking of rice right now, 
I am still an advisory board member for the International African American Museum that right now we're having a charter membership drive going on, and at some point I'm going to bring Michael Bulwell Moore onto the show so that he can talk about that. And we're going to build a museum in Charleston. Many of you who come to the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival when it's held there, you know that we have been holding it at that site ever since we started the festival a decade ago. And it started on my home island, St. Helena, and then we started doing this every even-numbered year in Charleston. So we'll return to Charleston next year, but we'll be at a different location because they're going to break ground for the International African American Museum at the site of Gadsden's Wharf. Gadsden's Wharf was one of the major, one might call it, holding cells for the chattel for the enslaved Africans that were now going to be taken out onto the streets and sold on the peninsula. We have poured libations, we've shouted, we've drummed, we've danced, and everything at that site for eons, it seemed to me. And they finally announced that they were going to just take my advice because every meeting they must have got tired of me when I was on the board saying how we shouldn't be building this museum anywhere away from the water. I don't care how many feet away from the water. We don't need to be away from the water. Y'all need to find, knock a building down, but we need to be directly on the Charleston Harbor. And so it's a blessing to find out that it is going to be on the Charleston Harbor and then to hear on Saturday Pass that the steps that were the steps that many of our ancestors took away from Bonfiland in Sierra Leone, walking into the enslavement forts there and then out into the enslavement vessels, that island of enslavement, Bonfiland, the steps are going to be brought from there and placed inside this International African American Museum. That's going to be a central piece of connection there. And so here it is that when we talk about the foundations, think about that. You're talking about since the 1600s, a set of steps surviving in a war-torn, weather-beaten island with vegetation growing all over everything in West Africa. You're talking about bringing it to the place and space and it having to take the journey that so many Africans also took across the Atlantic through the Middle Passage. And as most of you know, last month was Middle Passage Month here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. So we flow right into this month of Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness. There's no true way to talk about who we are as Gullah Geechee people without talking about that journey because it is because of the Africans that were kidnapped in West Africa that we have our names. First, it was the Angolans that were kidnapped. When they were sold on the auction blocks, they were called Gullah. I have a cargo of Gullah for sale today. It was a corruption of the term Angola. Later, when the ban on the importation of the Angolans took place, Gola, G-O-L-A, people who live in the Windward Coast, Rice Coast region from which those steps are coming, they live there. There's a Gola forest. There's a Gola island there. They were kidnapped. These were rice growers. 
along with the Kizi people, K-I-S-S-E-E, or the Gizi, G-I-D-Z-I, people. These ethnic groups of people became the ones who the name got pronounced here, Gichi. Okay? So we have Gullah from two different origin points. We have Gichi from two different origin points. All of these ethnic groups being brought into the Sea Islands being blended together, being sold together, being placed in hardship together, and then them reconstructing a cultural landscape from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida, and 35 miles inland to the St. John's River by not simply growing the Carolina gold rice, but also long staple sea island cotton and indigo. Those are the major three cash crops of this region. That is the Gullah Geechee Nation. Now, it is their knowledge that helped them to cultivate these crops in the type of atmosphere that they were now in. Now, are they separate people? No, they're not. Are the people just the Gullah and the language of Geechee? No. The people are Gullah. The people are Geechee. The language is Gullah. The dialect or the pidgin of the language is Geechee. Gullah comes before Geechee in all cases. Geechee comes out of Gullah linguistically. It is a bridge between Elizabethan and one might say American form of English, all right, because the Queen of England doesn't believe you speak English anyway, darling. All right, so here it is that you have a people, Gullah Geechee people, that speak the Gullah language. When they start encountering people who speak America's version of English, they put a bridge between the two to try to communicate. That became Geechee. So it's a dialect of the Gullah language. Okay? We never spoke broken English. We don't speak broken English. Our language is Gullah. And most Gullah Geechee people are bilingual. They speak Gullah and they speak English, or they speak Geechee, and they speak English. All right? Most do. So people often want to know, well, how many Gullah Geechees are there all along? That is not culturally sound, and as a mathematician, I don't want to steer you wrong. We don't do head counts. It's not culturally sensitive for us to do head counts. And if you've watched any of the videos on Gullah Geechee TV where I respond to that question I'm often answered, then you know what the long version of that answer is. But for all intents and purposes for this evening, we'll keep it at what I've already stated. So now, when people migrate from the Gullah Geechee Nation, and they no longer live from the land. They don't farm or gather their herbs or gather the sweet grass or anything from the land. They don't cut down no tree for magnabato board and things like that. And they grind the curriculum. They don't sew cast nets anymore. They don't sew their quilts anymore. They don't make do with what they have because there's stores all around them, and they go to work every day to come home. They go to work, they go come home, then they go shop with the money that they make. Then you start to see how just as we see with hurricanes the erosion of the shoreline, you start to see the erosion of the culture. You start to see the erosion of the foundation as there is no coastline on which the foundation can sit. 
also now when we talk about getting away from the foundation of who the people are, the further away people went, people didn't even understand when they had a cracky teeth like this. So the further inland they went, the more they got off the sea islands and went into urban centers, even in Jacksonville, Florida, Charleston, South Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina, Savannah, Georgia. People were offended by them being bilingual. So many people stopped speaking their own language in front of other people or tried their best to emulate English so that they could fit in with people, and they now did not want to also tell people where they were from because they felt that people would say disparaging remarks or they'd even be discriminated against in regard to employment or even educational opportunities because people would equate your language and the fact that you spoke a different language with your intelligence level. There is no link, all right? So here it is that you had a number of people go to the urban centers that I mentioned that are more local. They're still within our region of the Gullah Geechee Nation. And then migrate from there, again, largely by train during the Great Migration, then later on with the Greyhound buses. So once somebody in the family get a car, they started going north. So whether they lived in the Midwest or whether they lived up the east coast up north, in the Northeast, which large enclaves, not to say there aren't some Gullah Geechis who did not go to the West Coast. There are Gullah Geechis on the West Coast, and they've been there for a couple of generations too. But for the most part, the people I encounter on the West Coast that are Geechis are Geechis out of the Deep South, Mississippi and Louisiana Geechis, as opposed to the Geechis here in the Sea Islands, the Gullah Geechis on the Sea Islands. And there is a link between those two as well. So here it is that once they migrated and then they got in those cities, they got away from speaking their language, they were no longer in places where they could go catch their own food. They had to adapt their diets to what was available unless somebody was coming from home and could bring them food with them, like the Silk still ask us to do now. They adapted their diets, they adapted their language, they adapted their behavior to fit those environments. And then their children were born to this adaptation took place. So the children, unless they were sent south in the summer, brought home during people's home goings, brought home for the holidays, holy days, seasons, they did not attach to or get ingrained in their culture and their language or communalism for the most part. Many of them, after two, three generations, got totally disconnected from any family members that live in the Gullah Geechee Nation, don't know who they are. Some don't have a clue what area the Gullah Geechee Nation and people are from, and now their elders have died off. So they don't have anybody to ask. Or when they used to ask their parents, the parents were hush mouth about it because the parents had been taught in the city to look down on all their family members in the South because those are the funny-talking Negroes there. But them funny-talking Negroes were smart enough to hold on to land, which is an asset, instead of living somewhere paying rent. So they understood how the wealth of the family needed to be held on to, the wealth in terms of their knowledge of the lay of the land and their wealth in terms of keeping land as an asset. That was the foundation that they were on. Faith being the ground it was laid out on top of. That foundation of the family 
and respect for it, respect for their ancestors, their community, is what they could build on. That's what sheltered them in these times of storms over and over again. That is the foundation. They knew that if everything shook loose anywhere else that they was, them older people would always let you know, always remember where home at. And had enough to get back home. You ain't have to stay where you're going. You can go up there, but you can always come home. But you can always tell, you can only make sense of that statement when you have a home to go to, where you don't sit there and neglect it. Benign neglect caused many people to lose valuable property because folks got to the city and just said, I ain't going back to the dark. I ain't working in them fields no more. I ain't going to work down there. I don't want to live down there. It's too much bugs. It's too dark. But so they can do whatever they want and then let the land go up for auction for little or nothing. There was just the auction today for this year. If for some reason you had family land that got auctioned today, you have a year and a day to get that land back. So if this show has inspired you in any way, if Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Month inspires you in any way, do all the fundraising you can and pay that person back that auctioned it. Pay that county all them fees and everything else that done accrued on it and get that land back. you got a year and a day to do it. Now here it is that if you let it all go, you have no place on which to live. You have no place on which to stand. So in this reversal of the Great Migration, you ain't had no foundation because all you people broke it up and other people took away the parts and figured out a way, though, to pace them back together and they stand and living and enjoying what you once had, including being the ones to appreciate when the Yeti people are cracking teeth so being the ones to not find that amusing or, or, or feel hostile some kind of way, like why would you speak that way? Outsiders, people who have no Gullah Geechee roots whatsoever from around the world, come here wanting to learn about the sacredness of this culture and how it has thrived and survived in spite of kidnapping, in spite of the Middle Passage, in spite of chattel enslavement, in spite of the wars, in spite of Jim Crow, in spite of the continued violation of civil and human rights that we are faced with, we still have been here. We ain't a guayna, we're tall, tall. And so I pray that this opening broadcast of this month helps you under and understand who we be down here for truth, who we have been, who we are now, and who we can be if we recognize that we have a very strong foundation on these sea islands and in the Gullah Geechee Nation of traditions and culture that should be treasured. It only benefited the people outside of us to try to separate you into two categories, Gullah and Geechee, instead of just letting you know and just sticking with it that you're Gullah Geechee. It only benefits them now to tell you to work against the Gullah Geechee Nation if they're not for you being self-sufficient now. And they want you to continue the dependency via grants and donations as opposed to self-sufficiency 
where you have to put in some blood, sweat, and tears like our ancestors did into the soil and produce and harvest and feed your family from the land. So here it is now that the choice is still yours. It always is about choices. It's about the decisions that you make and then how you do what you do. And so we could thrive and survive and be very strong at this point in time where islands around the world are struggling to rebuild because of this year's hurricane season alone. And many have been fighting from years back of various storms and damages that have come to them before. And many of them are being called upon to take out loans right now and to go further in debt to others. Our debt should be paid only to God here in the Gullah Geechee Nation because that's how our ancestors dealt with things. We have what we need, and we can make do with what we have, but just a line thing like that, I got to chill out, broke yourself down. And so here it is that people are getting their land. They want to say it's a land grab, but they're giving it away when they don't pay the taxes. Some want to say it's a land grab, but you mortgage the land. You ain't telling the truth about it that you didn't understand that when you go into somebody else's system of existence, it's not designed for you to be the beneficiary. It's designed for them to be the beneficiary. So you lose the house, you lose the land, and you have to move away from home, a forced migration sound like enslavement all over again to me because the great migration was people making a choice on their own to go somewhere for the betterment of the whole family and for the people and for a better quality of life. How's yours? So here it is. Check your foundation. And this is a great opportunity to do it. You can spend the whole month following us at Gullah Geechee GullahGeecheeNation.com, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio, Gullah Geechee TV, Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. All of those are on Facebook. You can follow at Gullah Geechee, G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E, on Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook fan page, Keep up with the daily postings, but also GullahGeecheeNation.com to keep up with the blogs and the historical articles that will be posted throughout the month. And as well, come out. Enjoy the Moja Art Celebration. You can follow them at Moja Festival on Twitter. You can also come on out this coming Saturday on St. Helena Island, Uh, St. Helena Community Market is held on the first and the third Saturdays every month from 10 to 3 p.m. I will be there. Please come on out this month. I will be there both times, first and the third Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Dr. Martin Luther King Memorial Park right at Sea Island Parkway and Dr. Martin Luther King Drive here on St. Helena. And we are there going to continue the celebration that we launched of our Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month that we launched with nothing but family, nothing but joy, and nothing but the oneness that Moja represents. That is what that word is all about. Moja is one. A Gullah, a people blessed by God. So we are truly one blessed people, one anointed people that stand for unification, 
and stand in unity right now. And we'd like you to come down and join we. And so for all Hunter Chiller, what unjoined me this evening, thank you, thank you, for Yeti We Show, Gullah Geechee, Rhythm Radio. This is the Queen Quest. Peace and blessing, everybody. Happy Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Awareness Month. Looking forward to seeing Hunter Chiller Sati. See Hunter then. Let's celebrate who we be. We be Gullah Geechee anointed people. <laughs> 